0: Hello and welcome to episode 16 of the podcast series Mum, You've Got This. If this is your first time listening to an episode on this series, there's an intro episode at the start you can go back to and take a listen which explains exactly what the series is about and there are also 15 other episodes where I interview a range of different awesome women. Um, who share their stories and life experiences as working mums. The person featuring on episode 16 today, um, yeah, episode 16, sorry, today is Soraya. Soraya, thank you so much for coming on.
1: You're very welcome. Thanks for
0: having me. Now, full disclosure to people listening, Soraya is my lifelong best friend's older sister so uh, we know each other pretty (laughs) well yeah we've got a past we do we do we sure do so it'll (laughs) feel weird asking you some of these questions because I definitely know the answers but um, yeah (laughs) (laughs) stay with me Um, all right let's start with sort of your life now your family dynamic and makeup and what you do for work
1: sure so I am a mum to um, two children Uh, Campbell, who is 11, almost 12, Mm -hmm. and Imogen, who is 10, Um, and I live here in Melbourne. Uh, I am a senior school teacher, so I teach at a large uh, inner Melbourne high school, uh, and I'm currently the leader of senior school there, so looking after year 11 and 12.
0: Amazing. Amazing. Mm -hmm. Tell us about yourself pre-children. So I guess um, talk about, because I know obviously you grew up in Tassie and um, you were involved in a lot of certain things with the theatre and a whole range of things down in Tassie. So talk about your career path and journey to kind of where you are today.
1: Sure. So um, I I grew up in Hobart, obviously, which is how (laughs) we know each other. Um, And, um, yeah, so one of the things that I teach is drama. So, yeah, I do have a, a, a big kind of love of the theatre and uh, all things theatrical and that sort of started when I was quite young even at school and then kind of I I got into that all the way through school and then out of it did quite a few amateur productions in Hobart and um, kind of really enjoyed performing. When I decided to become a teacher um, I sort of fell into to drama teaching I guess because I really enjoyed being on the stage and then I realised that I also loved sort of teaching it as well and and that's sort of been the path that I've taken over the years where I don't do really anything on the stage anymore but kind of do a lot of productions where I'm the director so I run our school productions and uh, theatre studies productions and things like that. Um, Amazing. So that's, yeah, um, I... Uh, so I went to University of Tasmania, became a, a teacher there, worked um, at your old school actually um, <laughs> in in Hobart and then that was kind of my dream job I guess that I'd got at that particular point and then um, the opportunity to come to Melbourne sort of came up and I had to make a decision about, you know, do I stay for my dream job here in Tassie or do I follow my heart and go to Melbourne and so I, I did and I'm here. <laughs> So, what led you to Melbourne? Um, So, my now husband, um, we had been seeing each other for uh, a little while and he had made the decision to move to Melbourne. Um, I I should probably go back actually. So, I, uh, when I was about 18, um, had a a long term relationship and we ended up getting married. Um, And I was married for, I think, around two years I got married at 21 and that relationship ended not for any bad reason, but just relationships end as they do. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think we both started in a particular place and then between 18 and 21, I guess you do a lot of growing up, which Mm. we did, and we just didn't grow in the same direction. So that relationship finished and I had a little bit of time where I lived with a girlfriend and uh, kind of enjoyed the the things that I didn't do when I was 18 and <laughs> um and then I met um Scott my now husband and we had been seeing each other but he had uh you know he had to follow his work and various things that he was doing so he moved to Melbourne and uh we did a long distance relationship for around about 18 months um which was when I was working um at Ogilvy in Hobart and uh Eventually he said, "Do you want to come to Melbourne?" And so I, I did, and that's what kind of got me over here, I guess. And we—I've never left. <laughs> so, what year was
0: that? When did you move over?
1: Oh, so that would have been, gosh, f- fifteen years ago now. I think oh, wow. almost. That, yeah, yeah. So a long time.
0: <laughs> You've been here
1: a long time, definitely. Yeah. And, and yeah. what did you? How quickly did you find work and settle into Melbourne life when you did relocate? So, So quite quickly, that was probably one of the things that um, because I did have a job that I loved so much um, Mm. in Hobart, I didn't want to. I knew that I definitely wanted to to find something like that over here. So I did a lot of um, a lot of searching before I made the decision to move, and Scott sort of helped me look at the different schools that were here, and I applied um, to a a number of different schools, and um, I'm still at the same school that I got that job. So I've been Mm. at this school for 15 years now (laughs) Um, almost so yeah so I I had the job lined up before I came over which was a really important thing for me to do I wanted to have security I didn't want to come over here and rely on somebody else I guess I wanted Mm. to to make sure that I was standing on my own two feet and um, Mm -hmm. because it was a big thing like a, a huge thing to pack up my entire life and you know move away from my family and all my friends and a job that I loved and all of those things but it's all worked out so.
0: (laughs) absolutely absolutely it was a risk worth taking.
1: It was it was.
0: And then so what about the decision to start a family and falling pregnant, pregnancy, um, all that side of things? Yeah
1: Yeah, well it all sort of happened quite quickly um, in the end so uh, I moved over here and We rented for a little while and um, I settled into my job and um, then we sort of made the decision to look at buying somewhere over here. So we ended up buying our first house probably within six months of me moving to Mm. Melbourne. Um, And then not long after, uh, I guess maybe, yeah, two years maybe after I'd moved here, maybe two years, um, I found out that I was pregnant and it wasn't planned. Um, mm. It was just one of those things and um, not something that either of us had really talked about or that we were ready for, but I guess we were happily surprised at the time. Um, unfortunately, that didn't work out so, so well. Um, so I think I was seven weeks pregnant and uh, went and had, I think I knew something wasn't quite right. Um, went to work one day and just was feeling a bit off. And they sent me home and then said that I should go to the doctor. And then I had a scan and um, they said those awful, horrible words I'm sorry, I, I can't see a heartbeat. And mm. so I called Scott and he came down. And we sort of, you know, I, I was shattered at the time. I, I don't, I think anyone who's experienced that, you, you don't realize how much you want something until all of a sudden you, it's not there anymore. Mm. Um, yeah, so as hard as that was at the time, um, I think it crystallised to both of us that it was something that we actually wanted. Yep. And, um, yeah, we hadn't even really told anyone um, that I was pregnant. It was so early. And I actually had to fly down to Hobart on that day. Um, it was um, my sister's 21st birthday <laughs> mm. um, that we flew down to Hobart for. And I remember... Um, having to talk to a mum and, the, you know, in the same sentence had to tell her that, you know, I, I'm, I'm pregnant, but, or, or we were having a baby, but now I'm not. <laughs> mm. um, and then also knowing that I couldn't really share it with anybody else because we'd come down to, you know, for a celebration and we didn't want to spoil that and all of those kind of things. So it was tough, but like I said, we, it made us realize that it was something that we wanted. So mm-hmm. I probably, we waited a little bit of time and then it would have been about five months later because um, we weren't we sort of decided to not actively try but not actively not try yeah um, and then I fell pregnant with Campbell so that was kind of how that all happened. <laughs> <laughs> and how did you find being pregnant? I loved being pregnant I was yeah. I'm, I was really lucky yeah I had a really good pregnancy um, both of them actually both pregnancies have been good but yeah I um wasn't didn't really feel sick, and um, sort of everything I was able to work um still quite um quite well, they looked after me really well at work and I was able to kind of stay on and he was born in April uh, of that year, so I started the school year, but I didn't have to go to any classes or anything. they sort of just found things for me to do. I sort of did extra. Um, uh, relief teaching within the school and some admin work and just things that meant that I didn't have to do a lot of preparation, which was really great. And so, yeah, it was all, um, really great leading up to, to the birth. My, um, uh, the pregnancy itself was fine. Um, my, my birth story with camp probably <laughs> wasn't as good in the end. I think I I paid my, my price with that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Well, he, um, so uh, he was quite a big baby and uh, my obstetrician at the time had said to me quite early on, um, listen, you might have some problems here and uh, but, you know, you should still try. He ended up being a week overdue and they were going to induce him. So I went into the hospital and I had a, um, what do they call it, um, where they... It's like a sweep where they try and oh, stretch they weren't gonna sweep. give you the... Yeah, so I had that and um in the afternoon and they was they said, Okay, go home. This might we're hoping that this might bring something on, but if it doesn't come back in the morning and we'll start the process. Um and they said you might feel a bit uncomfortable. So they sent me home with um some painkillers, um, <laughs> which I I took and ended up uh, they must have been quite strong because I was very, very sleepy, and I, mm. as I got into bed, my water broke um, like literally as I got into bed and so then everything just sort of happened quite quickly. but I was so tired that I was sort of falling asleep in between contractions, and it was very strange, but we mm. finally we made it to the hospital and um, it was okay for a little bit I, I sort of had about six hours of labor, and then it all started growing very pear shaped, so um, he got stuck effectively and mm. um, he got in a bit of distress and um, he started they were they were getting a bit concerned, so the, in the end, I ended up having an emergency cesarean um, with him.
0: How did you find um, the recovery from the cesarean
1: um, yeah i it, I really struggled i think, um, especially because i'd gone through. Quite a bit of labour first. I think, Mm. in total, um, by the time it got there, I'd been in labour for maybe nine hours. Um, A bit of it, quite active labour, too. Um, Mm. I'd had an epidural by the sort of end of it because it was in the middle of the night. He was born at about 6 a.m. But I think a combination of the fact that I hadn't slept, I'd been in um, labour and then had an emergency cesarean, I was a bit knocked around. So I remember um, my sister coming in to see me and um I think she almost cried when she saw me she I don't think she was expecting to I think in her mind when you go to see someone who has had a baby that they look bright and happy and 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 cheerful yeah yeah Mm -hmm. and I was none of none of those things (laughs) Mm. Um, yeah which was probably the start of a fairly quick downward spiral actually Mm. Um, yeah I um so I think not that I think for everyone, if they have a, a traumatic birth story, and, I'm, and mine's not as traumatic as some, I, I don't think everyone has this experience, but I think it can have a, a fairly significant effect on what your first few weeks might be like as a new mum. Mm-hmm. I think it's hard anyway, and then to have that on top of it um, didn't make it particularly pleasant. Um, and I think I had... Because I'd had such a good pregnancy, and because I was so excited and happy and uh, looking forward to, you know, all of those things you do when you're pregnant, I had very high expectations of what being a new mum was going to be, and when it, I sort of had it really up on a pedestal, and it was a very long way to fall um, Mm. when it didn't sort of come about like that. So within in hospital, it was probably okay because I was, you you were a bit buffered and sheltered. There for a few days, um, but as soon as I came home, um, especially as Scott went back to work quite quickly, and um, mum and dad left, and everyone else sort of went back to work, and I was sort of left at home all of a sudden with this small human that I didn't really know what to do with, and that I was still in quite a bit of pain, and all of those things combined just meant that I started very quickly to not cope. Um, mm with what was going on. So I think, gosh, it was a very quick downward spiral. I think probably within a week, um most people had started to realise that things probably weren't quite right. Um Scott was probably the first person because he was the one who was here most. Mm. Um, but like I said, he'd gone back to work. Um and so I was home a lot on my own during the day and did a lot of pretending that everything was okay for a bit um but i was struggling with feeding um i wasn't i think because of a whole bunch of things you know being stressed and not coping i wasn't really producing a lot of milk i was really struggling to feed anyway i wasn't sleeping um and yeah all of that stuff just started to to spiral down so Mm -hmm. probably within about two weeks i think scott had said hey this is not really okay um I think he came home one day and he plays um social basketball and he said I'm gonna go to basketball is that okay and I said yeah 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 that's fine sure pretending that everything was okay again and he came back from basketball this one night and I think he found me um sort of in this almost catatonic state, I think, just on the floor crying and Campbell was sort of lying on the floor crying as well, you know, this little two-week-old baby Mm. um, because I think I tried to feed him and it had really hurt um, at this particular time and I was really tired and I think I had this almost overwhelming urge to kind of throw him, which I I didn't do, but I think it was just in that moment, it, it was just so overwhelmingly... You know, it it hurt so much, and I was tired, and I was I didn't know what I was doing, and it scared me. So I sort of had put him down on the floor, thinking I I don't know what to do. And he walked in and and sort of saw this and went, okay, <laughs> this is not really okay. So he um he called my mum, and so she came over and she stayed with us for a few days, and we went to see a doctor, and I was diagnosed with postnatal depression. Um, sort of probably within about two weeks. Mm-hmm. I think of him being born um, and I was lucky I suppose because I had a really once it was sort of figured out this is what's going on I had a very strong support network who kind of helped me which I think for anyone who's experienced it the, the key is having that support network around you and putting things in place uh, to make sure that everything is okay and so mm-hmm. that happened for me very very quickly um, so I was able to manage it you know, fairly quickly. It took a, a, a number of weeks for me to get back on my feet. But, um, you know, once I had that support, then I was able to do it, which was good. Um, mm, but frightening <laughs> to, yeah, to have I can to go imagine. Through at that time. Yeah.
0: Mm. yeah, and I think, like, you're so right in that it is so tough um, mm. for anybody and then you add on the fact of, like, you know, the birth experience that you went through and as you say other people do go through traumatic birth experience as well and it's it's really tough because you kind of like there's so much love inside but there's also just so much
1: exhaustion and yeah. confusion and all of that and it can become so overwhelming and I think it, it's just that overwhelming sense of um I don't know uh mixtures of shame and failure and uh, so many different things um it, that, you know, that I should be able to do this and, you know, everybody else can do this. Why can't I? And I, I I don't know. I think at the time everyone's in, you're in a bit of a pregnancy bubble and you just Mm. think, I'm I'm sure people told me at the time, um, you know, it'll be tough and but you don't hear any of those Mm. things, of course. Um, And then, yeah, I I think I was just so um, upset with myself for, sort of falling in this massive heap and also I was a bit confused because when they told me when they sort of gave me this diagnosis of postnatal depression I think my postnatal depression manifested in a really different way which I didn't realize it could so mine was more um, quite severe anxiety Um, Mm. possibly I I don't know what the reasons may have been but um, I, I literally couldn't be sort of left on my own um for any length of time my my mum stayed with us for a few days and she would get up to go to the bathroom and I'd be like where are you going where are you going Mm. I'm just I'm just going to the toilet um so I didn't like to be left alone I think I I was just frightened um Mm. perhaps but in my head I I thought postnatal depression just meant that you you know you were depressed or you know Mm. you were just sad. sad all the time yeah yeah, but I, but I wasn't sad. It was more mm. just a really high, a heightened state of anxiety, which mm. apparently it, it can, that's one of the ways that it can manifest. So, mm. um, yeah, yeah. So, but, but yeah, it, luckily it, it didn't, I had a support network that was able to help me through. And so by the time he was um, four months old, um, everything was, you know, it it was so much better. Like I was... Everything was good, he was sleeping well and he was feeding properly, and you know, all of those things. So it, it kind of had turned a, a massive corner. Which yeah, that's lucky.
0: so good to hear. And yeah. so, what did you do around? Because um, I can remember your sister Donna messaging me pretty early on, and like I didn't know obviously the detail and stuff at the time. It was obviously a private situation, what was happening, but I remember mm. her saying, You know, Saray's kind of struggling feeding Campbell, mm. and she's like, mm. Jackson and Riley, who were my younger siblings for the people listening. I've got a big age gap between my sister and I, and then between my younger sister and my younger brother and another younger sister. And um, so, you know, Donna and I were in high school when my brother and sister were born. And, and Donna said to me, your mum, uh, formula fed Jackson and Ronnie didn't she and mm, I said mm. all four of us were formula fed from day one yeah and we're all fine <laughs> so why and she's just like saray has got this pressure she's really trying to breastfeed and she's really really struggling yeah. um I just want to tell her yeah I just wanted to confirm with you before first before I told her that you know all these Phillips kids were breastfed and we're perfectly fine yeah
1: yeah <laughs> we're yeah. sorry formula and, fed. yeah yeah and it's yeah it look it was and that was all tied up in the the feelings of failure and shame and um, yeah. the fact that, you know, I should be able to do this. This is, you know, this is your job. This is the one thing that you're supposed to be able to do. And, uh, and I just wasn't able to do it for, it. Uh, and, you know, the mechanics of it weren't working. I wasn't producing any milk. And he was, he was very unsettled, I think, because he was starving effectively yeah. Yeah. Um, because I wasn't really able to do it properly and he wasn't really getting it right. And, combination of different things and so when we went to the doctor um after sort of scott got mum over the first thing the doctor said was okay you you need to go out and get you know formula formula and you need yeah you need to get a tin of formula and bottles and so scott was he sort of i think i needed someone to take charge because i i was refusing that help initially Mm -hmm. and then he sort of put his foot down and said this is ridiculous um like which this is just what we're doing so mm. he went out and and bought the things and brought them home and mum was sort of there with him supporting him and we gave him this bottle of formula and this poor that he like gulped it down it and then I think he, <laughs> oh my gosh and then I think he slept solidly for about 5 hours um and Aww. I you know that that just made me feel worse <laughs> in Aww. the end but <laughs> <laughs> um but I think in the end you know it was good for me to see that um you know he just he just needs to be fed it wasn't it wasn't a failure on my part and you know it took me a a little bit of time to kind of come to terms with the fact that it hadn't worked out quite the way that I'd wanted it to but as you say like it ultimately it's made no difference he Mm. is um you know he is bright he's active he's he's got no allergies. He's hardly ever sick. Yeah. But, you know, he's, you wouldn't be able to tell um, all the stuff they but. say that,
0: you know, I mean, I know, I know I'm a, a great advocate for breastfeeding if you can do it. And some people it does yeah. come naturally and that's amazing. Um, but at the end of the day, the stuff that they try and say that, you know, it it, it protects your child against, it just doesn't yeah. seem to be right.
1: But No, the state anyway, the, so. in the state that I was in. Yeah. There was no way that it was going to be, the best thing for you or, beneficial or your baby no yeah no not at all not at all so
0: mm-hmm. what stage then did you or what happened career-wise did you go back to work part-time at
1: um I so I had a plan so he was born in the April and I was going to take um so my my life obviously tends to be planned around school years um so uh he was born in the April and I was going to take the rest of that year off um and in December Um, plan to go back to sort of start the process of going back to work the following January, Mm -hmm. uh, which is what I did. Um, I was always planning on going back just part-time to start off with and I didn't quite know what that was going to look like, Um, maybe two or three days. So I started kind of – I found childcare um, for him sort of towards the end of the year and had that sorted and had the conversations with my school and had everything sorted out and was ready to go back to work and had it all ready and then um yeah we went uh, down to Tasmania for Christmas that year and uh I think it was Boxing Day um I discovered that I was pregnant again um <laughs> <laughs> on, on that Boxing Day which um yeah I, I I know and it sounds terrible to say it but I I was it was probably one of the least happy days of my life I think the day that mm. I found it, i I was in a bit of denial. I think maybe I knew I was pregnant before we went and I was pretending that I wasn't. Um, and then Scott said, you should take a test. And I did. And it came back positive. And I think my initial reaction was just one of fear. I I was scared because I had only just started really, Campbell was only, gosh, how old was he? So April through December, like eight months eight old. Months, yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. um, And I'd only had really, so he was a baby, like he was baby, Mm. baby. And I only had, had had probably four months, four or five months of that being, you know, really good. And, you know, I was really, I'd found my feet and I was really enjoying it and, you know, was looking forward to going back to work, all of those things. Mm. Um, And to find out that I was pregnant again. um, Yeah. I think it just brought back. I think I thought that exactly the same thing was going to happen again and that that I wasn't you know I wasn't even sure after the first time that I was ever gonna have a baby again but to sort of find myself in a situation where yeah, uh, it was unexpected that quickly um, was quite a shock at the time but that didn't last long I think by the time we sort of got back to Melbourne a few weeks later you know I would because there was never any question it was always you know okay mm. this has happened let's let's make this you know we'll make this work um and so then you know of course we started to kind of get used to the idea and it was all very good and then you know she arrived and um yeah we wouldn't have it any other way um you know <laughs> life sometimes knows, life sometimes knows better than we do mm-hmm. um, I think with these things because it it probably worked out exactly the way that it it was going or it needed to yeah. yeah. So
0: pregnancy was pretty good with Emmy. And what about yeah,
1: yeah, birth? And did you have a cesarean oh again? It did, but it was elective. So, um, and so different. Um, mm-hmm. so I had the same obstetrician, and we'd had a conversation, and she sort of she was a bit concerned for a couple of reasons. One, because the pregnancies were so close together, she was like, "Oh, I just need to monitor you. i you're probably, you know, I would not really like you because yeah. Campbell was quite big. He was like, yeah." And I'm, and I'm not very big either. So she was sort of like, Hmm, I'm not really comfortable with you going over. So let's just monitor it this. And as the pregnancy progressed, I said, um, to her, you know, what are the chances of this, of me being able to have a natural birth? And she said, Oh, look, honestly, she was quite good with being pretty factual. And she said, look, I wouldn't give it much more than 10%. And so I said, mm. okay, those numbers are not good enough for me. Um, book me in so um yeah so we booked we booked in an elective and it was a great decision because um I I ended up having her at um I think just over 37 weeks um Mm -hmm. and I like I think she was born at 3 p.m in the afternoon and I think by sort of 4 30 5 o'clock I was sitting up in bed with a cup of tea like (laughs) it was it was just such a different experience Um, and I, I was yeah, I can't, there was like comparing two completely different situations. So yeah, Mm -hmm. Donna came in to see me again um, with this one. And even she sort of said, oh, wow, like, (laughs) this is how you're meant to look. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, yeah, so it was a much nicer experience. And um, being in the hospital was really great. And, um, you know, I think I was waiting for all of those same feelings to come back. And I think I was waiting for this big crash and for it to all kind of go pear-shaped because I, I had this feeling of sort of anxiousness about it, but it didn't come. So it mm. was everything sort of just it was much easier and I was much more relaxed and, you know, I, I bonded with her so much quicker and, yeah, I think, yeah, it was just a very, very different experience. Yeah. Which,
0: How did yeah, you find, so Campbell would have only been 18
1: months yeah oh, not even yeah no. yeah so mm. no not even like 16 months I think yeah 16 mm, wow. months. yeah okay. yeah he was tiny yeah yeah I remember you... okay. well the first time he came into the hospital um it was like he had grown or doubled in size in oh. my mind um mm. yeah because he he was all of a sudden he was this giant and he had these big giant hands and he just looked so big compared to her because she was so tiny. Um, mm. Yeah. So that was quite confronting when I saw him for the first time after she was born. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, in, yeah, it was good. Um, he was really good with her pretty much straight away. And um, you know, they're like any normal siblings, but they're, yeah. uh, the fact that they are so close in age, um, they are very close. And so, you know, that's kind of nice that, that they are, they, they will always have that. They always will be sort of really close in age and have that special bond, which is really nice.
0: Yeah. What, what did you do then? Um, so
1: did you end up going back to work? Oh yeah. Sorry it, me? yeah, yeah, I did, I did. So that was an awkward conversation that I had to have with my <laughs> boss because i arranged to to go back to work and I came back in January and said she said, Oh, welcome back. And I was like, Yeah, great, excellent. Um, by the way, I'll be leaving again in August. Um <laughs> and so um I took a little bit longer though off between so I I worked three days a week um between them both being born. Um and mm-hmm. Campbell sort of had um some time in, in childcare and uh, he took to childcare really well straight away, mm. um, and that was always something that I felt quite strongly about. Um, that I wanted to go back to work, and that childcare was something that um, that we were going to. Or we don't have grandparents here or anything, so we were always going to need to to use formal childcare. But I, I think I knew that that was going to be a really positive thing for him mm. and give him you know interaction with other kids and you know as well as giving me the opportunity to go and do the things that I needed to do so um yeah he was in childcare while I was working then I kept him in there uh, one day a week when Mm -hmm. she was born uh, initially just because to keep that continuity for him and also just to give me a day with her um, Mm um my own and I took quite a bit longer um off work so I I took from the August of that year to the end, and then all of the following year, so about eighteen months in total. Mm-hmm, I think, mm-hmm. which was one before I thought about going back to work. Um, which by the time I got to the end of that eighteen months, I was, I was definitely ready to go back ready. to work. Yeah, <laughs> a few days. Yeah.
0: So did you go back three days then?
1: Um, no, I went back two days, um, mm-hmm. just because I think initially um, two days was going to, to work best, but I gradually built it up again. So it was only two days for a little bit. And then I went to three, Mm
0: -hmm. um,
1: and I was three for a while. So three days seemed to be a good balance between me being able to to spend time with them when they were little and Mm -hmm. and have that time, but also be able to still keep my kind of foot in the door at work and be able to do a good job. Mm -hmm. Um, I sort of felt like two days was not, I just wasn't there ever. And so Mm. it made it really hard to make any connections with the students or make connections with other staff. And I was missing out on things. I was missing out on meetings and kind of in a situation where I felt like I wasn't doing anything well. So Mm. the three days was a a much better balance for me Mm. in the end. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And And what do you do now?
1: So I'm full time now. So the kids are now a little bit older. So Campbell is about to turn 12 and has just started year seven. And Imogen has just started year five um, and I went back full time. I think it was two years ago um, mm-hmm. I made the decision to go back full time and that, w- that was a really hard decision to make because um, I think I would got used to having that extra day and, and being able to be there and, and I guess run all the little errands that you mm-hmm. – you don 't have the time to do like you know or like taking them to the dentist or taking or even just finding time to do things for yourself um i I had that one day, and all of a sudden to go back to work full time meant that i didn 't have any of that anymore mm. um, yeah, so that was really challenging, but um the I sort of had the opportunity to step up a little bit at work um, and so the only way for me to really do that was to go full time so we had a few discussions about whether or not it was the right thing to do but luckily Scott was really supportive of um, the fact that it was probably the right thing for our family and that the kids were old enough that they would be okay and I am lucky that the work that I do you know the hours are are pretty good so Mm. I'm I was able to organize my timetable so that I could still pick them up from school Mm. um, one afternoon a week because I could leave a bit earlier and Um, yeah, so I was able to sort of make it a bit flexible and I, I was always sort of home by 4.30 on Sundays if I didn't have a meeting. So yeah, I was able to to make it work. I think it would be much harder if I had a job that was finishing a bit later. But yeah, mm. because of the, the hours, I was able to make it work.
0: Plus yeah. the holidays, right?
1: Yes, <laughs> the holidays do a bonus. Massive
0: benefit. <laughs> um,
1: yeah, it was good. And look, I think it was always really funny to watch in the schoolyard when I would talk to other mums and um, they would find out that I was a teacher and you'd see their little, our kind of eyes light up and like, oh, really? Excellent. And so quite often our house would be very busy in the school holidays because we would, <laughs> we would have um, lots of other kids around, but it was good. It was always nice to have lots of kids around. So, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, the holidays were good. It meant that, you know, we were able to. And I also it was really handy that I know that that's a real challenge for working mums, that in the school holidays – you've got to find someone to watch the kids and that was something that I didn't have to worry about so Mm. I was very lucky in that sense.
0: Mm. So how have you found everything with raising children especially two very close in age being away from immediate family in the sense of your parents particularly?
1: Mm. Yeah initially it was really challenging um I think actually probably got a little bit more challenging maybe when they were toddlers than when they were little. I think when they're babies, we were kind of a bit more okay with it. But then when they were toddlers and um, we sort of saw the flexibility that some other people had with being able to to have that family support and things there, that got a bit – that was hard. Mm. Um, And also it was really hard that mum and dad didn't get to see them very often and so – Um, you know, they were missing out on particular milestones and even though they tried to get over here as much as they could, um, you know, I know that they found that really hard. Um, It was really hard for Scott's mum too. Um, You know, she, you know, is a a bit older and, and, you know, struggled to to travel. Um, My parents were able to kind of come over here fairly regularly, Um, but, and it just got a bit hard for, you know, them to come over all the time and then it gets expensive once mm. the time, like before, to try for four of us to travel all the time, um, it just wasn't really feasible. So yeah, it it's come with a lot of challenges, but it is. You know, some of the advantages of it are that when Mum and Dad do come over, and when Scott's Mum comes over, or when we go there, um, it's really special um, because yeah. I think they try to make the most of every second <laughs> and load them up together. with sugar
0: like my children's grandparents yeah do. <laughs> that's exactly right yeah
1: <laughs> but it, you know I I think we've managed to be able to um I think you make a family with the people around you as much as you can we sort of had to we we had a really good network of friends that some mm. of whom were in similar situations um it didn't have parents around and So we sort of helped each other out with those things and, you know, kind of created our own little network, um, Mm. which was, you know, one way of doing it. And um, I think, I don't know, having, because my sister was here, um, you know, I've only reflected on this fairly recently actually, that, you know, having them here has been such a positive thing. And I'm not sure if they weren't here whether or not we probably because we were there were times when we thought about moving back home Mm. um it still comes up every now and again because the the pull to go back to tassie is very strong Mm. um and if if donna and adam hadn't been here we may well have decided to go back Mm. because i think just having someone here that that sort of anchor of a family for both of us has been you know something that's been so important And one of the things that's probably kept us here in the end. And they've
0: all always been very, like, literally close to you, haven't they, in the sense of being where where you've lived to each other. But also just, I know, you know. Almost around the corner. Yeah. (laughs) So lucky. Yeah. I remember when they were buying their last place, I was thinking, oh, geez, they'll be in a strict area zone that they'll be allowed to buy in because they're going to have to be (laughs) close to you guys. (laughs) Because, you know. exactly right. It works both ways. It's great for you guys and it's great for them because it's such a beautiful bond that, both done around how to have with your kids. Um, yeah, it is. And it's support that you just—it's priceless. Because I've got that yeah. with my a sibling and my husband's sibling over here, and I know how you feel. Uh,
1: plenty of times yeah. we go, "Man, if it wasn't for these people, there's no way we could do this." No, that's right. That's right. And it, 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 you hear it all the time. It's the cliche. It takes a village to raise a child, but it really does. Mm-hmm. The, you know the things that, especially now that they're older. Um, you know the things that my kids get from, you know, their aunt and their uncle. Are things that they can't get from us. Um, mm. Campbell has just reached that, you know, difficult preteen. Uh, ask him anything about his day and you get sort of one word answers, but then, <laughs> you know, I hear him talking to them and it's, you know, it's like listening to a completely different child. Um, <laughs> but it's really great that he's got, you know, uh, a relationship with, you know, a significant adult that you know, a really positive role model and people that he can trust and talk to and, yeah, it's really, it's good.
0: Mm. Mm. What about for you in the sense of are you doing stuff? You, you talked a bit before about how before you went full-time you had that day to kind of go and do mm. some stuff just for you. So now that you're working full-time, how do you, what are you doing to kind of, you know, that self-care for yourself and how do you fit it in and do you
1: get guilt when you do it? Yeah, all the time. Mm. Um guilt guilt all the time I think that's just one of the things of being a working parent or any parent actually Mm. but it seems to be tripled and you know quadrupled for for working parents there are so many times where um you know I feel like I'm I'm not there or I'm missing things um luckily you know Scott and I've been able to get a system together where You know, if I can't do something, he will try, and so as much as possible. But there are times where, especially now that they're older, they're walking home from school and they're letting themselves in, and you know, Imogen, um, you know, will call me, uh, you know, in the middle of a you know staff meeting, and you know, want me to do something, and I I can't do it, and I, I, you know, all of those things make me feel like I'm kind of not doing the things that I should. Um, Mm. But at the same time, I think um, they're seeing their, both their parents, um, you know, being, doing the things that they need to do. They're building resilience in being able to problem solve things themselves, all, all of that stuff Mm, Um, True. where I, I'm probably not doing as many things for myself as I I could, that's Mm. probably one of the main challenges, I guess, of anyone who's got, you know, children, you constantly put yourself last um and you you end up sort of not doing the things that you, that you say that you're going to do but i i'm you know i've got a gym membership i try and go as much as i can i'll try and catch up with you know friends i'll um take myself out for a coffee on a saturday morning um after i've dropped them off little things i think as mm. long as you find some kind of those little things to do then then it's all okay mm. um, but yeah i'm I think it's easy to get lost in the busyness of being a parent sometimes, and that's one of the things that I've had to try and get better at over the years um, especially even now that they're older it's you're busy when they're little, but you're even busier when they're older, but in a different way because mm. um, i'm it's like i'm a um, a manager i'm I'm constantly <laughs> Um, you know my diary is full of you know okay so there's a music lesson here and there's a swimming lesson here and such and such has got um, this school assignment that's due here and it's just a a constant kind of organizational battle day-to-day to to make sure that you remember everything and uh, so that's probably the biggest challenge that I'm finding as they're older trying to make sure that I get everything done that needs to get done um, and then still find the time to relax and spend time with my husband and all
0: of that stuff Mm. (laughs) it's a long list (laughs) it is it is it is Mm. any other um some awesome advice and things that you've said in there based on your experiences there's plenty of things that people many people would be really interested in and it's so interesting hearing the stuff that you're saying about the kids of the ages that you're that they are now because I'm in that stage of the toddler phase which is bloody tough Mm. Um, Yeah. Yeah, that's busy and all that kind of stuff. But everyone keeps saying it gets easier, but then it also gets harder in other ways the older that they get. And like what you just said then about just the general busyness and everyone becomes busy because you might be busy being yeah. a working parent, but then your kids are getting older when they're the ages, especially that Campbell is now with all the sports and activities and I do know Amy's dancing right. and
1: all that, that then yeah. comes into it. And then on top of that, you have um, very changing relationships that you have with your kids that mm. um, I think your identity as a, as a, a mum goes through all these different phases and sometimes they creep up on you and you don't realise. So you sort of you have that mm. newborn phase and then you're the mum of a small person and, um, and you know you sort of you, you get used to that and you're like, okay, I, I know who I am. I'm the mum of these little people and then all of a sudden they're not little people anymore and you turn around one day and you, you're not the mum of a, a small person, you're the mum of a an older child and all of a sudden you've got to reinvent yourself in that identity and what that means mm. and then that continues to change and sometimes it takes a little bit of time to catch up and it can mm. be quite confronting. Um, and I almost there's a grieving period that I think you go through with each stage um, that I've only really reflected on probably in the last year or two where I think maybe towards the end of Campbell's primary school I found that I was really struggling with things day to day and I was finding myself getting upset and I was um, over very small things and in reflecting on it I realized that part of it was the fact that I I was really grieving this thing where I wasn't the mother of small children anymore Mm -hmm. and that I didn't I didn't know what that looked like I didn't that and I didn't know how to to reinvent myself I wasn't kind of there yet and so I had to sort of really think about what that looked like and what that meant and how my relationship with the kids had changed so I had to speak to them in a different way I had to allow them independence that I hadn't before I wasn't kind of the boss anymore as much mm-hmm. like I still obviously get to make decisions about things that they can't do but they've got strong opinions about things and um, you know I'm all of a sudden I'm not the center of their universe that I was mm-hmm. before and, that, mm. and And that's been really challenging um and part of I guess I heard someone say recently that um you know being the um the mum of a boy is like the longest breakup in history no. um, and, and it's sort of, it's, it kind of made me la- laugh a little bit because I was like, yeah, I get that, I see yeah. that you know these, you know this little boy who i I was just the center of his world all of a sudden, like obviously you know we still have a very strong relationship but his friends now are becoming the center of his world and that's normal and that's mm. really great and we have to support that but I I have to work out how I'm going to deal with that um, mm. as a mum and what that means so that's yeah that's been an interesting challenge in the last probably 12 months that I'm sure Thank hasn't had, yeah hasn't that's
0: <laughs> no that's so it's so insightful and it's it's so it would be so many people listening yeah, again to that just going Yeah. Wow. You're so right. It's such a, it is such a changing dynamic for your kids, your kids growing up, but then you're changing and trying to find your place in, in their lives as well. So that's, yeah. Thank you. Thank you for sharing all of that. Do you have, is there anything else that you sort of, um, before we wrap up, is there any other key things that you wanted to say or things that have worked, haven't worked, challenges, anything else you wanted to share?
1: No, I, I don't think so. I think, um, gosh, everyone just does the best that they can mm. in the end, don't they? We mm. all, we all, they don't come with instruction manuals <laughs> in the end. Um, I think probably the biggest thing that I've learned about being a parent is um, I, I have much greater admiration for my own mum, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. It's taken until, I think it takes until now for, for me to kind of go, oh, Okay all right, everything, I, I get it now. <laughs> um, yeah, which is, yeah, which I'm sure is all part of that circle of life <laughs> Yeah. that we, you know, we we learn as we get older and um, we realise the things that our, our parents did and our children will probably do exactly the same thing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, thank mm-hmm.
0: you. I really appreciate it. I thank you for being so open and honest and, and sharing all of that. I think it will help a lot of people listening. So thank you so much.
1: No, you're very welcome. And I think it's so great that you are opening the conversation. Um, Mm. I think the more we talk about the challenges that people have as parents and in particular, you know, not just working parents but, you know, all parents but, Mm. um, you know, everyone has got such different stories and that everyone is, yeah, just trying to do the best they can and I guess the more people talk about those challenges the the better it is for us all so yeah thank you (laughs) for giving everyone the opportunity to do that
0: oh thank you thank you so much um to the listeners this was episode 16 thank you so much for listening please like comment share subscribe and we'll see you all in the next episode